let's come together and worship the Lord this morning. Thank you, Jesus. You're so wonderful, Lord. Let's, uh, All of 
on Jesus right now. Don't focus on the words that you might not know. I want you just to close your eyes and just think about the Lord. Just think about His goodness. I want you to just begin to thank Him. Just focus on Him. Center on Him. Don't look at anyone else around you. Just center on Him.
changed my direction on how to lead communion this morning so he gave me a verse and um, normally I do it a different way when I come come out but God said Holy Spirit said do it this way I said yes Holy Spirit we're going to do it your way so I got a verse that I'm going to share and then we're going to pray in spirit this morning if you never prayed in spirit or if you have your heavenly language we're going to pray in your heavenly language this morning if you got it if you don't have it pray for it God will give it to you Alright, so we're going to pray in our heavenly language, but I'm going to read the scripture. It's coming from Romans 8 and 26. I prepare your hearts as I read this scripture this morning. 
Just remember, God is spirit. When you worship God, you must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's here. He's in our midst. So Romans 8 and 26, and this is the New Living King James Version. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us, groaning which, which cannot be uttered. Then I'm going to read in the New Living Translation. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we do not know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that, that cannot be expressed in words. So as we go into prayer, if you got your heavenly language, use it. Don't be afraid to activate it. And as we pray in unison, pray in unison this morning. I like the word Ryan gave this morning. He gave us a knob this morning. We have access to the Father at all times. We just have to open the door. All right? We just have to open the door. So as we pray this morning, just open the door of your hearts this morning as you surrender this morning. And then at the end, we'll take communion, the elements at the end. All right? Let's go into prayer this morning. I'm going to pray in my heavenly language. Um, I, I find myself using my heavenly language more now than I used to. Once you understand what happens in the spiritual realm as you pray, it pinpoints, the Holy Spirit pinpoints God's will. All right? It pinpoints His will, not our will. A lot of times we pray for things. It's not according to His will. And so if we pray in spirit this morning, pinpoint it. It's pinpointed through the Holy Spirit. All right? Let's pray. Holy God, Lord. We come into your holy presence this morning. We pray in spirit and the truth this morning. You are here in our presence this morning. We worship the living God. Come on, say, stay in spirit of this morning. Holy God. Do what you want to do, Jesus. Show my holy ghost. Have your way in this house. Holy Holy, holy God. Oh God, thank you, Jesus, so much for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the blood that redeems us, Lord. The Holy Spirit is in you. Stay your spirits up this morning. We cry out to you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, your kingdom come. Your will be done, Jesus. Oh, Holy Ghost, have your way in this house. We cry out this morning to you, Lord. Holy God, you know everything that we need, Lord. You know everything about us, Jesus. Holy God, we worship you. The living God, Holy God. Holy God, we thank you this morning, Lord. We're thankful this morning, Lord. We get to get, come together as a body, Father, to worship you, Lord. You're the King of Kings, Lord. You're the Lord of Lords, Jesus. We worship you. You're a living God. Hallelujah, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We surrender to your will, your way, Lord. We are thankful this morning. Thank you that we get to do communion together, Father. Hallelujah, Lord. We don't do this not knowing what happens, Father, when we take the bread and take the, take the wine, Father, right now, Lord. Let us be mindful of celebrating you, Jesus. Let us be reminded that it's all about the cross. 
Hallelujah. We are saved by grace and mercy. It's only by you, Jesus. It's only through your blood. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, so much for Jesus, Father. We worship you, Father. We thank you so much for Jesus, Father. Our God, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We surrender this time to you, Lord. Is there anything in our hearts, Lord? Reveal it to us, Lord. Reveal anything that's not of you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, guide us to this morning as we pray and surrender our prayers of this morning, Lord. As we offer up our praises this morning, Lord. Hallelujah. Let it be pure and holy before you, Father. Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you this morning, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We thank you for this time. We get to celebrate you, Lord. We get to worship you, Lord. It's another part of worship, Lord. We surrender it to you, Lord. Holy God, holy God. We don't take it for granted, Father. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, that guides us, Lord. Thank you for your spirit of truth, Father. Thank you, Lord. We get to worship you in spirit and in truth, Father. Hallelujah, Lord. Take us into that secret place, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Where it's just me and you, Lord. Where it's just us and you, Lord. Let them see it, Father, in the name of Jesus, Father. Holy God, we thank you this morning, Lord. We surrender this to you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our King. We thank you, Lord. Amen. You can go ahead and open up your elements and um, take the wafer. And uh, So we already entered in prayer, so hearts. Like I said, praying in the Spirit is, it pinpoints the issues in our lives. Trust me, when I... A lot of time I pray in the spirit now, more now for my kids and my wife and even as I pray over people. So the, it pinpoints the target of prayer. But the Holy Spirit knows already. It's God. It is the power of God. And so it pinpoints any issues that we may have that's wrong with us. Any sin he appointed out to us through his spirit. And so we just have to be in tune and hear the voice of God. So if you want to go ahead and take out your elements. that bread up lift the body of Jesus up thank you Jesus so much Lord we worship you Lord we thank you for your body that was broken for us Lord we thank you hallelujah we don't take it for granted father we're grateful we're thankful thank you thank you Jesus hallelujah Lord thank you thank you so much go ahead and break the bread and take it thank you Jesus hallelujah Lord Go ahead and take that cup, open it up. And this is the blood of Jesus, representation of the blood of Jesus. This is what redeems us, Jesus' blood. There's nothing else that redeems us besides his, his blood and his body. All right, so we, we don't take it, but it's the power of God, the, the heal, and this, everything that we need is found when we do communion, when you do it right. And so we surrender this to the Father. We just thank the Father for the blood of Jesus. That makes us right. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, so much for your blood. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for dying on the cross and shedding your blood for me and us, each one of us. Hallelujah, Lord. We didn't deserve it, but you stayed on that cross for us. And we are grateful. We are thankful this morning. Hallelujah, Lord. We give you all the praise. We surrender it to you. In Jesus' name, go ahead and take the cup. All right, as we continue in worship... What's, um, 
Let's worship our King, our Lord, to surrender everything to Him. It's thankful, Thanksgiving this morning, so. desire you God we are not of people God that have it all together and we're perfect we are a people who are broken and we need you Jesus we desire you Jesus we love you Jesus oh we choose you Jesus oh we love you Lord mm, Jesus we thank you God, we thank you that we serve a living God. Holy, holy, holy. 
Jesus, you are the living God. <laughs> oh, we thank you, Jesus. Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And everything that has been made was made but through your hands, Jesus. Hmm. Lord, we are your workmanship. And Lord, we choose you, Jesus. We don't want anything else. We want you, Jesus. Lord, continue to work on our hearts. Continue to work on us, God. Continue to refocus our minds to want you, Jesus, to put everything else in second place, in third place, in fourth place, and to put you first in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We love you. Please accept this worship as a, a pleasing aroma to you, God. Let it feel the holy of holies, God. Let this come to the throne room, Lord. May it please you, Father, in the name of Jesus. And all his people said, amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus this morning. Man, God is so good. God is so good. Miss Rachel, we thank you. Oh, man, come on. We honor you. We appreciate you. We thank you very much. Oh, God is good. Hey, listen, this, during this time, we're going to go ahead and take a, a quick 10-minute break. Uh, before we do that, we're going to release our kids, all of our children, wherever you're at. Uh, we bless you right now in the name of Jesus. And we're going to just pray that God blesses you, that he instructs you as you go to your classes, that he would be with you even there, that his presence would go with you with all the little kids. Uh, we love you. Uh, we're going to take uh, 10 minutes. Uh, go ahead and get coffee, go to the restroom, do whatever you need to do. Uh, before you do that, uh, we are going to have a quick announcement uh, here in about 30 seconds. So we love you guys. God bless you. We'll be right back.
So you could tell I'm the youth pastor. I was like, four, three. Nobody else joined except my teens, but it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> all right. Hey, uh, welcome to the gathering place. So my name is uh, Pastor Kevin Rodriguez. I'm the youth pastor and the associate pastor here. Um, I am honored to uh, be underneath uh, Pastor DJ Stenard and his wife, Julie Stenard. Uh, if you're watching online, we love you guys. We miss you. Uh, and I know you're just down the street, but we still love you and miss you. So, um, but we're grateful for today and what today has in store for us. Uh, and also just what it's already been. Uh, worship was awesome. The presence of God was here. Um, I mean, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Got a little electrifying for a second over there. We started uh, praying in, in tongues and uh, man, uh, it started getting real. You know, I started feeling the presence of God um, start to speak. So it was really good, really good times. I'm just grateful to be here. Uh, to be with you guys. So um, I'm gonna go ahead and give you guys your announcements for this week and the rest of the month, okay? So we got a good bit of announcements. Also, there's some stuff in the bathrooms. I mean, we put stuff everywhere, okay? So <laughs> so that you won't have, uh, you know, you won't be able to say, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? Uh, we have little flyers in the bathrooms. We have announcements. We post them here. Uh, but the best way to get informed is to go ahead and download our app, okay? Download the app. Uh, you should be able to find it. There it is right there. There's a QR. You can zoom in, download it that way. Um, or you can even go to the connection point. That's the big uh, wooden desk in the front. Uh, and you'll be able to download it that way as well. All right. So um, there's also this thing called a connect card. Uh, you can also do the same thing. There's a paper version or a digital version you can get as well. Uh, we should have it up there in the announcements. There it is. Uh, same thing. We're just trying to connect with you guys. We're not going to, you know, be stalking you or anything like that. Uh, it's mainly just to reach out, to love on you guys, um, to give you information, uh, and to stay in touch, okay? We love, uh, we, we, Pastor DJ says it all the time, you cannot do life alone, and it's very, very true here. Uh, this is a family here at the Gathering Place. Uh, we're not here to play a religious game. We're here to do family, to do life together, and we truly believe that, okay? Um, Oh, yeah. Big thank you for everyone, to everybody that not only participated, but also helped at the church picnic. Uh, if you had fun, go ahead and make some noise. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot of fun. Hey, if you missed it, I'm sorry. We'll probably do it again next year. Uh, we had some basketball. We had swimming. Uh, we just had a lot of fun. I know the women were playing cards. Um, I didn't want to go and, you know, get hurt, so I, I just stayed away. The women are dangerous and they start playing their cards and spoons and stuff. You don't want to do it. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, it was a lot of fun. And we do actually, let me see here, are uh, the women. So on the 30th, which is Saturday, they're going to have a gals and games pool party at Miss Phyllis's house, okay? So if you're a, a lady, if you're a woman, and you're, you want to go ahead and check that out, please do so. There's no child care uh, or children because it's an all-women's event. They want to make sure that all the ladies have a great time, okay? So husbands, that means we're going to have to step it up, watch the kids, play a movie, you know, or whatever you want to do. Uh, but that just means we're going to have to step up and get creative uh, <laughs> and do that, okay? So let's see what else. We have praise in the park. I know that's daily life for us. I know, brother, but I'm just encouraging other men, you know, that may not have our life, you know, <laughs> be a man, you know, um, like David told King Solomon, just be a man. All right. Be a man. All right. Uh, <laughs> you're getting me distracted, Brandon. All right. 
uh, on the 23rd, so Saturday the 23rd, we have Praise in the Park. Uh, these events are awesome. We really enjoy them. If you haven't been out to uh, one of these events, please do so, okay? It's prayer, but also live worship, and we're there injecting the Holy Spirit into the community, okay? We're here. Uh, we've been called to Millbrook, Alabama, so we're, we go to the Millbrook Park, and we worship. We give free food. We give chips, but more than that, we bring the glory of God with us, right? Like the ark, you know how they were transporting the glory? Well, we're doing the same thing, right? We go there, and we bring the glory of God with us, um, Last time, Brother Ken gave a testimony. You know, he was at home, but he could hear it all the way from his house. And he, you know, he said the Holy Spirit. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, but he did feel it. He did hear, hear it all the way from his house. Uh, and it is an awesome, an awesome thing, okay? So I encourage all my teens, uh, and I just encourage everybody to go because it is an awesome thing. It's an amazing um, opportunity that you have to do, okay? Uh, and it's something that me and DJ always look at each other. We say, we get to do this. All right, it's not like it's a burden. You have to do it. Is it is it work? Yes, it's work. We get there. We're hot. We're sweaty. We're making hot dogs. We're making burgers. But it's a labor of love because we get to do this. We get to bring the glory of God, okay, into an area where anybody can just walk up. Anybody, um, you know. And it, it's a good thing and it's an awesome thing. So put that on your calendar. Uh, let's see here. In preparation for praise in the park, uh, we are having our prayer night. Uh, we're getting here, but we're all we're going to be going to the Millbrook Park. So if you want to join us in a prayer tomorrow night at 6 p.m., you could come here first if you'd like. But if you can't come here first, you could just meet us over there at the park, okay? Um, we're going to have a, a good time, and we're going to be praying at 6 p.m. Also, in preparation for that, uh, let me see here. Uh, I know Brother James Gaiman, who's one of our elders, he felt led uh, to fast, Okay. Uh, he wanted to do a corporate fast. So this Monday, that's tomorrow, if you want to join us in fasting, uh, please do so, okay? We're going to be fasting for our Praise in the Park event, which is on Saturday. So tomorrow, we're going to be fasting, and we're going to be going to the Millbrook Park to just walk around and pray. It's awesome because if you're, you know, somebody who's counting their steps, you can, you know, just do circles around there. You can work out, but also you're just, you know, praying and you're worshiping and um, doing that as we're coming together corporately. So it's going to be a good thing. Was that what you wanted to bring up? <laughs> All right, good deal. Uh, let's see here. Oh, Thursday, the 28th of September, we have our monthly food distribution, okay? So if you don't know what that is, we get together, we, we go over there to Millbrook, and we actually give out food. We give out um, donuts, we give out coffee to all those people waiting in line to get food at the, um, at the Millbrook drop. Uh, what's it called? The well, Welcome Center. That's right, the Welcome Center. So uh, if you haven't been, if you've never done that and you want to volunteer, it's a great time to look people in the face that are maybe from all sorts of different places, less fortunate than you are, and see a bunch of grateful faces, okay? It is a great place to be and to just serve them. Um, you know, uh, Brother Bo actually talked about this yesterday. He said, when he was talking about Jesus and how Jesus said, you know, um, when you fed those in need, when you helped those that were lost, when you helped those that were in prison, you, you were doing it to me, right? And so that's what we're doing. We're, we're going to the city. We're going to those less fortunate, and we're blessing them, and we're being there for them. And, it, and it's touching them. I'm telling you, uh, it's, it's just a blessing. It's a blessing. So don't miss that out. Uh, don't miss that. Uh, and the last thing here, let's see here. Uh, Friday Night Raw is on the 29th. 
So that's a spirit, a time of spirit-led worship and preceded by food. And the focus is on letting the spirit lead the worship. Uh, open to anyone who's interested. Uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's at Pastor DJ's house. Is that correct? Yes? Okay, good deal. That's at Pastor DJ's house, Friday night, the 29th. So you're not going to want to miss that. If worship is something that you're kind of big on, you really have a, you feel like you have a heart for that, and you want to just go and experience free-flowing worship, okay, and just letting the Spirit lead and practicing that, uh, that's something you're going to want to write down on your, um, on your calendar. All right. It's been a lot of announcements, I know. Uh, Last one, small groups. We have a bunch of small groups, okay? Uh, If you don't know what small groups are, they're just an opportunity for you to do life with other people in this church. An opportunity for you to do life with your church family, okay? There's a bunch of different things you can do from going camping. I know the God Guns and Gravy and Shooting Guns is about to open up as well. Uh, But we just have a big list of different things that you can do. Um, and you can sign up on the website, and you can also look on the app. But go on the app, go on the website, sign up, uh, and be a part of the family, okay? This is how you do life together. Amen? All right. Last but not least, I want to go ahead and introduce someone you've already seen up here. And that is uh, Apostle Bo. He's an apostle of the house. So go ahead and get, stand to your feet. Put your hands together for Brother Apostle Bo. your own mouth. We thank you for being with us, Lord. You deserve the glory and the honor. We love you, Jesus. Y'all, y'all have a seat, please. All right. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to Exodus uh, chapter 33. We were singing this morning. Yeah, she sent me her notes. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm sorry, it's Exodus 24, actually. But I'm going to start in 33. Moses is talking with Father, with Father God, in Exodus 33. And he makes a statement, and it's, it's pretty famous. But he basically just tells him, in verse 14... God says to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. That word presence is the same word for face in Hebrew. And one thing Father wants us to understand that in his presence there is rest. There is rest. It don't matter how heavy you think your load is, in his presence there is rest. And and Moses replies back to Father in in verse 15, he says, and then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up from here or from there or from here. That comes from the the mouth of a man who had been standing in the glory of the Lord. who had been experiencing the presence of God. Didn't come from somebody reading a verse 
or singing a song. That comes out of the declaration of a heart that was being immersed in the glory of God day after day in the presence of Father. And it was so overwhelmingly beautiful to him, everything else lost its value. To the point that he doesn't care if God sends his angel before him like God said he was going to do earlier in this chapter. God promised him, I'm done. I'll send my angel before you. I'll give you the land I promised to give you. I'll defeat all your enemies before you, but I'm not going with you. That's a, that's a pretty amazing promise with no obligation. With no obligation to walk in intimacy any further with the Lord. And Moses said, I, I, that ain't good enough. I don't care if I have all the riches of this world and I have everything that materialistically speaking I can gain. If you do not go with me, I have been ruined by your presence for anything else. Nothing can satisfy me but you. So I don't even want to move from this spot where you're talking to me right now if you refuse to go with me. That is the response of somebody who became aware of the beauty of who he is. And that's where every one of us are supposed to be. And, and as we all walk the path of maturity in the gospel, that should become more and more what comes out of our heart cry as we experience his glory that he's invited us into. Because we have not been invited to church. We have been invited into fellowship with the Son of the living God. Yes. This is not about anything else. This is about having fellowship with Him. And when you begin to have fellowship with Him, church is great, but it is no longer the point of your relationship. Right. When you begin to experience His glory, it, your, your, your walk with the Lord doesn't depend on how good the last worship service was. Or how good the preaching is. Because you are walking in intimate fellowship with him. And that satisfies you to even the bitter thing is sweet. Alright, if you got your Bibles, let's go to Exodus 24, please. Exodus 24. I got some things that the Lord has put in my heart to share with y'all. I'm going to do my best. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, guys. Brother DJ is over at our church, Courts Praise, down the road, encouraging the brothers right now and sisters. So I'm excited about that. We swap places today. Father, bless them over there. In, in verse 1. I want to talk to you today about having a proper response. We, we must learn how to have a proper response. In verse 1 it says this, And now he, Father, Abba, Yahweh, Jehovah, it says, Now he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, 
uh, and Abihu, about Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from afar. It's interesting that he says, come up to the Lord, not come up to me. I believe he's probably referring to Jesus who was in the midst of the glory. But he makes this statement. He gives an invitation. The Lord injects himself into Moses' life and in his path, and he tells him, come up, come up to the Lord. And, and what we have to understand, that as special as it looks like Moses was being set apart to be, that is now the invitation that every one of us have been given. I, I got it right here in 2 Timothy 1, 9. It says that he who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. Yes. So you don't get a right to disqualify yourself about uh, your, with your past or what you did or didn't get right yesterday or before you walked into the door. There is a holy, holy calling that is going out to everyone that has been made in his image. Yes. And that's you and that's me. And that calling is in place. And that voice of the Lord is resounding down through the generations. Calling us to come up to him. In Matthew it says he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding. And they were not willing to come. For many are called but few are chosen. See there's a response that has to go forth. Out of your heart to the holy calling that he's given you right now. And every time you encounter him, every time his goodness is manifested to you, it is supposed to produce a response through you. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that brings men and women to repentance. It's every time you encounter his goodness, it's supposed to produce a response in you being in, in, in the way of like, I didn't know you loved me that much. I didn't know you was that good. How can I think about not doing what you want? You are amazing. And that's what it's supposed to produce in you every time you have an encounter with him. A degree of repentance where you change the way you think about him. Where you change the way about what he's asking you to do as he calls you to walk into obedience. It, it, when, you, when he asks you to lay down everything and to let Christ have you. Every time he exposes himself to you, it is supposed to bring you into a greater degree of intimate fellowship with him. Because you see you're better than I thought you were. And I'm not holding anything back today. It says right here in verse 2, And Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with him. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. Y'all listen. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning. And he built an altar at the foot of the mountain. And twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of, of Israel. Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. God spoke to him. And he so saw the value of the words of God that he wrote them down. So none of them would escape him. So none of it would be forgotten. 
He did not take one word that came out of the mouth of the Lord in the midst of the glory as some trite thing. He wrote them down. He put a value on the words of God because he knew everything that comes out of your mouth is holy and true and it is for life and not destruction. You know, he would later write in Deuteronomy, Moses he, in, in 1718, Deuteronomy says, y'all listen, also it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests, the Levites, and it shall be with him. This is talking about the kings that were going to be over Israel. And it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life. That he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of his law and these statutes. That his heart might not be lifted up above his brethren. That he might not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left. And that he may prolong his days in his kingdom. He and his children in the midst of Israel. Moses so understood the value of the words of God that it's written down as an orden, uh, as a command from the Lord that the kings were going to be required to write their own copy of the law and to read it every day. I shared yesterday here with, with, with the prayer breakfast that in Revelation in two different places in chapter 1 and chapter 5, it says that we have been made kings and priests through Jesus. Jesus has called us to be kings and priests to our God. Amen. And so I have no issue taking that declaration that I've been called to be a king all the way back to this requirement right here and seeing it very, very right for me. Not as a law that I'm obligated to do because it's handed down by Moses, but the principle that is being expressed right there is something that every one of the sons and daughters of God should absolutely write upon their heart. When you value the words that God is saying and you set them before your face to do them and to live by them, it brings blessing to you. It prolongs your days to you and your children. Amen. And I'm not talking about the law of Moses right now. We're not in that covenant. We're under the covenant that God gave to Abraham, if you read Galatians 3. Abraham had a covenant of faith. He believed in the Lord. It was accounted to him as righteousness. In chapter 3 in Galatians, the Bible says that God preached the gospel to Abraham. It says it right there in chapter 3. God preached the gospel. God did to Abraham. And that's what Abraham believed. And that's why it was accounted to him as righteousness. And God gave him a covenant of faith. So I'm not talking about the law of Moses. I'm talking about when we pick up the word of God, understanding that every scripture is inspired by the spirit of the living God. Every single one of them. Some of them are for examples of what to do. Some of them are for examples of what not to do. But it's all put there by the hand of the Lord. And we should desire to want to know it because when we put that before our eyes and we set our heart to live according to what God's put in our hands as a help to know him by our life is good. Amen. We have rest and we have peace. 
And when we lay down at night, our sleep is sweet because we're not worried about somebody coming to even up the score with us because we have exalted ourselves above our brethren. We actually lay down and our slumber is sweet because we're walking in obedience to the Lord. And we know it's the Lord that puts his angels around us in camping to defend us against the enemy one. There's so, there's so few or there's so little value in so many people with the Word of God. And their lives, I mean, they're just all over the place. They'll be in church 30 years sometimes and their lives look just like it did the day they walked in. Yes. Now, I'm not saying they're not born again. They just have set their heart to not know the Word of God so they live according to their own understanding. They never renew their mind with the holy words of the Lord. So they stay in the same problems that they had before. And you see all these people, they, they, they're getting deliverance as people that are saved and, 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 you know, and, they're, and they're right back into the same bondage that they were in when Jesus set them free from when they were born again. Because when you're born again, all things are made new. All things pass away. And if you are bound up by demon spirits as a son or daughter of God, it's because you've gotten into sin. And you gave away the legal rights you had to be free by disobedience and rebellion. But when we walk according to what's written in this word Amen. and we ask the Holy Ghost to teach us, revelation comes to us. With revelation comes grace. With grace comes freedom and the ability to stay free. But one of the reasons why we have so many people who are oppressed by the enemy inside of the family of God is because they refuse to put the word of God before their eyes every day. To meditate on it. They refuse to set their hearts to obey it. I remember when I first started going to church down the road in Evangel Temple. When mom and dad got saved before me. And I didn't have a renewed mind yet. I was, I was very born again. Radical encounter with the Lord. And I started going to church. And I just did not trust the guy standing up there talking. I still thought the way I did before I came into the church. I felt like this guy just wants my money. I had all kind of different crazy thoughts the devil was playing with in my mind. And one day, somebody listened to some of my comments that I was making out of immaturity. They finally just said, well, if you don't trust him, just read the Bible for yourself so can't nobody trick you. I thought, that's a good idea. <laughs> that's pretty novel. And I did. I began to set my face to want to know the Lord. Because he walked into my bedroom one night and spoke to me when I was thinking about blowing my brains out. But as amazing as that moment was, that radically transformed me and, and allowed me to be born again because I submitted to that. When I got up, I had to have a new encounter with the Lord. I wanted to know the one who spoke to me. And as much as he revealed to me in that moment, it was still just a moment. And you understand, as amazing as that testimony is, and as grateful as I am for the way it happened, that was 27 years ago. That really ain't helping me today at all. It helped get me here. But that is not going to sustain me. I need to see his face today. I need to interact with him 
today. I want to come into the glory that I went into that moment because that's what gave me the ability to say yes. It's what gave me the ability to get up off that floor and to get in the pool and get baptized. It's what helped me set my heart. But that begins to fade. You must come into the presence of the Lord. You must get to a place where you say like Moses, if you're not going with me, I'm not moving. Because I know there ain't even no reason to try. I'm not interested in doing church. I want to see his face. And I want to see it with y'all. But to do that, there has to be a proper response from me from what he's exposed me to. There has to be a proper response from you from what he's exposed to. And the first thing you see Moses do after God calls him away into the glory is that he writes down every word of the Lord. When Jesus is tempted in the desert, what is his response to the enemy? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every, 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 every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. But we have allowed ourselves to believe that's not necessary for us. And instead of being overcomers and instead of living in victory and bringing light to a world, so often we're so malnourished we can't even pick up a sword. Because we think that's not for us. If Jesus had to make that declaration for himself as the example that we're supposed to be following because he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, he is the example given to us by which we're going to get to the Father. If we think we don't have to do what he did and have the, what he had and we're going to get to where he got, we're deceived. Yes. <gasps> deceived. But the glory of this is not a rebuke. It's that the invitation that was there for Jesus, that was there for Moses, is there for me right now. Yes. He's saying, come away with me, Bo. Come up to the mountain and be with me in my glory. I got some things I want to share with you. I want to tell you some things I've been holding since before the foundation of the earth just for your ears. But you got to come up here to hear it. It says right here, y'all, and uh, let me read, because I'm, I'm breaking this, this one little verse down a little bit. Verse 24 says, and, all, and Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. Now, and he rose early in the morning, and he built an altar at the foot of the mountain. He rose early in the morning. When I read that, what that says to me is that Moses said, his response to the Lord as the priority of his life. Amen. It wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't when he had extra time in his day. It wasn't when it was convenient for life. It wasn't when he felt good and rested up. It wasn't when, you know, he didn't have other things pulling on him. And he was leading a people of about a million. But when he had an encounter with the Lord, he set the glory of the Lord and a proper response of worship to the Lord as the priority of his existence. He got up early in the morning. Now, look, I'm not trying to tell you that that's how you're supposed to seek God. What I am trying to tell you is that it has to be your priority. There's all kinds of different life circumstances and jobs in this room. And everybody can't set their life up the same way. 
And so don't, don't think that that's what I'm telling you you have to do for it to be proper. What, what you have to do for this to be a proper response is to make worshiping God the priority of your existence. Amen. Not of what's left over. It has to be priority. And sometimes because of the job that God's blessed you with, you might work all night into the early morning. Or you might work from 2 or 3 in the morning till the middle of the day. It's not the certain time. It is the dedication of your heart to respond to his goodness in your life that you allow him to, say, to see, you are my priority. Everything I do revolves around knowing you and saying thank you with worship. In, in Psalms, David wrote this in Psalm 63, verse 1. In verse 1, it says, Judah, or he says, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. You listen to me. He wasn't more spiritual than any one of us in this room. That is the response of a cultivated, intimate relationship. Amen. Cultivated. Somebody who had set their heart to make the Lord their priority. Somebody had set their heart to cherish every word of God. That is the response. Not somebody who was more holier than you are. It was somebody who had absolutely dedicated his life to knowing him and living in his presence. And that comes from the overflow of that decision and that cultivated relationship because he's like Moses saying, I have tried what there is to try and I just ain't interested in going on without you. You have what I need. Uh, Bishop Pat, who's my spiritual father, my apostle, wrote a book years ago when me and Rachel were young, young and on the mission field. And, and, he, and he actually wrote a story that uh, the Jewish people hold in, in a lot of their oral teachings. And I'm going to read it to you. This is called Reviving Spiritual Hunger, his book, Bishop Shatzline. You should all read it. It's pretty amazing. It says this, y'all listen. He says, for many years I struggled with my need to know God and my seeming inability to even grasp what that meant. I, I feel like that often. King David is a hero to me because of the effort he put into knowing God. The effort. Got to be a response, guys. He had already seen King Saul's passing and had brought the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. He was so filled with the need for relationship. He was so filled with the need for relationship that he had the Ark placed in an open-sided tent behind the palace rather return to the tabernacle of Moses. For us in Alabama, that means right outside of his back porch, he put the tent. <laughs> Each morning as the sun rose, choirs sang praises. King David exited the back door of the palace and descended the steps. As the sun rose over the horizon, the rays flashed across the landscape and struck the ark itself. The raised wings of the cherubim on the mercy seat cast a long, distended shadow that reached clear to the bottom of the palace steps. 
King David knelt in that shadow and began his morning oblation, worship, and praise. As the sun rose, the shadow shortened. And the king remained in the ever-shortening shadow by crawling ever closer and closer to the ark. And finally, he would be almost directly under the mercy seat itself. And it was out of this daily exercise that David is said to have quoted Moses, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. See, that's cultivating intimacy. That's dedicating yourself to know him. And that's what we've all been called into, the fellowship with his son. This isn't about anything else, y'all. Y'all got doorknobs. I saw it and heard a little bit about getting the doorknobs. That's pretty amazing. Because the door is open. But you still got to choose to respond to that door being open. Holy glory of God. Do you understand that's what he wants us to walk in? Is the glory of God. He doesn't want us to read about Moses going up into that. He don't want us to read the story about Jesus taking Peter, John, and James up onto a mountain and seeing Jesus transformed. That invitation is present for every one of us today. He longs for us to want him that way. That we say yes and go up the mountain with him so we can see him in his full glory and truly understand what we've been invited to. To truly see him for who he is and that's good. So that your heart would be given over to more surrender, more repentance to him and his ways because you know everything he says is out of love for me and out of a desire for me to be close to him. So close that he put the spirit of his son Jesus into your heart is what it says in Galatians 4. To the sons and daughters of God, Paul writes, Father, put the spirit of his son Jesus Christ into your heart. Do you understand how close he wants to be to you? He so desires this intimate relationship and fellowship with you. He put the spirit of Jesus into your heart. Not to come to church. So that you don't have to go find the ark of his covenant. You are now the ark of his covenant. You are the temple of the living God. He put his spirit on the inside of you. He removed all logistical boundaries, the impossibilities. There's no financial obligations. There's nothing that you have to do except I want to see your face. And then you are encompassed with his glory. Oh, Jesus, shut the All right, I want to go. In verse 4 it says, And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord, and he rose early in the morning. And he built an altar at the foot of the mountains. When I was reading through this several weeks ago and, and felt like the Lord was just taking me down through these verses for here and really for all of the families, 
It says that Moses, he built an altar at the foot of the mountain. And I got curious, so I looked up that word altar, and you can get your concordances on, on you know, when you got a chance, and you can look up the word altar. And, and I didn't know why I was looking, but I was curious. And really quickly, I saw every time, especially, specifically up to this point, I mean, I think it's 13 or 14 times, that you find the word altar in the Old Testament, it was in an, ex an exact response to an encounter with God. They had an encounter with the living God. He, he, he intervened in their life. Noah was the first one that built an altar. God had delivered him and his family from the wrath against the, the unrepentant, rebellious people of the day. He heard the Lord, believed the Lord, obeyed the Lord, and God saved him and his family. And when he came off the ark, his response to the, the, the salvation of the Lord, he built an altar and sacrifice to God. The next time you find it is Abraham. It says the Lord appeared to Abraham, and Abraham only knew one way to respond properly. He built an altar. See, you have to have a response to God intervening in your life. I had an encounter Y'all have had an encounter, whatever that encounter looked like. Some of us had an encounter, we read a verse, and we said, that's, that's right. And that was your encounter, and you surrendered to that, and you were born again. It doesn't matter what your encounter looks like. It matters your response to the encounter. Because you can have the most glorious encounter with the Lord and not have a proper response, and it will be of no lasting benefit to you. It will actually be a testimony against you. We must have a proper response. And what is the, the benefit, what is the purpose of an altar? It says that when he built the altar, he sent the young men and the children of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. An altar is the original place of worship. It's where God is good and you recognize his goodness and you give to the Lord sacrificially and out of your overflow of your heart. Amen. If you've been born again, you should understand you must build an altar in your life of worship. I can't build an altar for you. But what I can do, like Moses, is I can build an altar out of the gratitude of my heart, my recognition of his goodness, I can do what it takes to build an altar. I can get up early in the morning. I can value the words of God. And I can build that altar. And I can begin to put offerings of sacrifice and praise on there. And I can bring my family into that room. And I can say, this is where we sacrifice to the Lord and say, thank you for being good to us. Those young men were the generation that was going to go in and take the promised land because the other people refused to have a proper response. So Moses started training the younger generation who didn't go up the mountain, who weren't part of the 70 elders, who weren't Aaron and his sons. He grabbed the young ones who had not seen the Lord like he had seen them, but he brought them and he told them, this is how you serve the Lord. I'll build the altar, but you begin to participate by putting the sacrifice and the praise offering there. You know, I, I've set an altar up in my home and in my life. 
And the first time I ever saw a family altar, I was in Mexico on my first trip, and I've shared this here before. I, I, I didn't know what it looked like to have a Christian home, a home that was built around the glory of the Lord. And my mom and dad had gotten saved, and they had it, but I was really out of the house when they developed into that. And so I didn't really know how to lead my family. I mean, me and Rachel were praying together. We had prayed all night together in the, in the young adults. I mean, we were seeking the Lord. But all of a sudden, we're married, and all of a sudden, kids are showing up. And, and so what does this look like inside of the house? Because I really have never seen that example. I've been taught how to lay on my face in the sanctuary through the night. I've been taught how to fast. I've been taught and shown a proper way. But I didn't know what that looked like in my house till I went to Mexico. And I stayed in the home of a missionary couple that invited me, and they had four kids. Is that right? Four kids. And I get up the first morning, and the husband had gotten up, had been praying. The wife had gotten up, was praying with him. And then all of a sudden, they put the worship music on loud, and all the kids come out of the bed. And all of a sudden, we're all sitting in the living room. There's worship music playing. Everybody's got their Bibles. Some people are crying. Some people are sitting there. Some people are reading their Bibles. But there is an altar that has been built, and they came and worshiped at that altar every day that I was in that home. And the peace of God that dwelt in that home because the glory and the presence of God have been given priority was undeniable. And I said, this is how you build an altar. This is how you have a place to tell your sons and daughters, put something on the altar. But I'll build it. But this is where you do it. I've done that for my family, ever since I saw that example, I came home and told Rachel, I don't care if we live in a cardboard box, we're doing that. And we did. We set our heart to do it. I've brought so many young people into my house in Mexico, now in the U.S., down through the years. And every time one of them kids would leave my home and go back to their villages or go back to their homes, I'd always talk to them. Some of them came for a few days, some of them came for weeks, months, some of them have never left. But I'd always sit with the ones that left and I'd always ask them, so what didn't you like? about being in my house. And they said, getting up early in the morning to pray. Because <laughs> I was way more militant about that because of life schedule and, and different things years ago. And I said, all right, that's, I get it. Nobody likes to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and pray unless it's really in your heart to do it. <laughs> Nobody likes to be forced to do things. And I asked them, all right, that's fair. What was your favorite thing about staying in my house? You know what they said? Getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning and praying. You know why? Because the Lord responds to praise and worship. He comes when there's a sacrifice put on the altar. When you offer up to the Lord out of a place of, of gratitude in your heart, he cannot stay away. And, it, and you know what's so amazing? It's so tangible that even the people who don't really want to be sitting there out of obligation, they can't deny the presence of God that's there. Because I'm building an altar. And you might not want to build one with me, but you are going to feel the benefit of me having an altar to the Lord. And then you're going to have to decide what you do with that in your own heart, in your own home. Man, we got to learn how to build an altar. It's the proper response to the Lord. This is so foreign to so many people so often inside of the family of God. They don't understand you're supposed to have an altar. That doesn't mean you've got to do your house like I do my house. It doesn't mean you've got to read your Bible and pray the same time I do every day. It doesn't mean those things. 
But you have to have the response. You have to make God your priority. You have to say out of your own mouth, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the living God. And then you will have a desire in your heart as you begin to walk in that. There'll be something in you. All of a sudden, you will see a responsibility for the next generation like Moses did. And he sent the young men of Israel to participate. He saw the value of those people. He knew they needed to be instructed and shown what to do. And he allowed them to be a part of his worship. Come on, Jesus. All right. Now, this is the invitation that we've been given. I, I, I say this every time I'm in this house, every time I'm with the elders, every time I'm with Pastor DJ, it's, not, it's, it's pretty common I make this statement. This house is not like other houses God's given me stewardship of. Amen. We've got churches that we're stewarding, families we're stewarding from east to west coast, different countries now. And I have not had the Lord say to me one time the things that he said to me about this house over any of the other places. Not even my own church. It's got its own promises and its own purpose in the place that Father has put it. But this house has been set apart to harbor, to steward the glory of the living God in a way that transformed a nation. I have been saying this since I came out of Mexico the first time. We're not called in this house to be better than the church down the street. We have been called and invited by the Lord to come up to the mountain and have his glory rest upon us. There is, there is nothing else in my heart that I want to see except the glory of the Lord come in such a way. It's so tangible in this room that you can't even walk in without tears running down your face. I walked in this morning, Rachel and Miss Nancy came early this morning to get set up with Ryan and everybody. And so I, I got all the kids to where they were going. And I came in this morning. They were just playing, and there was just a few of us in here. As soon as I walked in there, the glory of the Lord was at the front door. Yes. Tangible. Real. That's the way our lives are supposed to be. And when we live that way individually, when we come together what do you think that is exponential manifestation of his presence? Because he wants a people that have decided to set themselves apart for him. That see him as worthy of the responsibility and the, and the invitation to come up to the mountain. And it doesn't matter how holy or how much Bible you do know right now. It's that you respond to the invitation. says right here, y'all, in verse 4. Actually, I'm going to go to verse 5 now. Actually, verse 6. <laughs> it says in verse 6, And Moses took half the blood from the animals that were sacrificed and offered up. Moses took half the blood, and this is, you talking about some cows. There's a whole lot of, I don't know if y'all have ever been part of a cow kill. We have. We used to kill our own cows in Mexico and butcher them up and all that stuff. There's a whole lot of blood. And Moses took half the blood and put it in basins. Basins, big bowls. And half the blood he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and he read in the hearing of the people. 
the book of the covenant that God spoke to him in the glory, the book of, 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 of the, the requirement that they were responded to, to come into submission to. It says that they took the book of the covenant and read in the hearing of the people and they said, all that the Lord has said, we will do and be obedient. So there was an invitation in that book of the covenant. What does a covenant mean? It's a contract between two groups, two people, two, two, two different entities. That covenant, those commandments that were given to Moses, that, those, those things that were spoke to Moses that he wrote down and he turns around and he reads to the people, it was an extension of God saying, I want to have a relationship with you beyond just being a, a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. I want a different relationship with you. I want to be in a covenant relationship with you. And they had to listen to what was being offered to them and what was being asked of them and they had to decide if they were willing to come into agreement with that covenant. And then, then when they said all that you have said we will do the result is that Moses took the blood and he sprinkled it on all the people. That's pretty gross. If I came in here today and started throwing blood all over you <laughs> some of y'all got guns. I mean just think about the sight of that. Somebody standing, I mean he's got bowls of cow blood and he just starts throwing it over the people. Sprinkling it, covering them with it. Because it's the blood that covers us. Yes. It's the blood that comes between us and Jesus. Or between us and Father. It's the blood of Jesus shed that covers our sin and washes us clean that allows us to come into the covenant. You don't get to come into the covenant with your sin on you. The blood must be sprinkled on you. It must be applied to you. But for the blood to be applied to you, what did the people have to do? The, the blood's in the bowl. The sacrifice is on the altar. The blood's all over the altar. The altar is sanctified holy. Payment has been made. But for you to get the benefit of the sacrifice, what do you have to do? You have to submit. And say, all that you have said, we will do according to these words. Now, they got a list of rules, 613 to be specific. And they were recorded saying, all that you have said, according to all these words. Every one of those commandments, they said, we'll do them. Impossible. Impossible. Jesus responds to them in John chapter 6 because they come to Jesus and they say, man, you're doing all these awesome things. You know, what do we do to do the works of God? What do we do to, to get the benefit of this, this relationship that you're offering and that you're talking and preaching about? And Jesus says, this is the work of God that you believe, that you believe, that you believe in the one whom he sent. 
Do you understand? That's the work that you have to have to have the blood of Christ sprinkled on you, giving you a clean conscience before the living God, like it says in Hebrews. You don't got to go do the Ten Commandments. You don't got to go. Do you know what's amazing? That when they replied to that, the blood was sprinkled on them. They had yet to do one of those things they just said they were going to do. But the minute they said yes, the covenant was ratified. And they were covered with the blood. The minute you say, I will believe in you, Jesus. The covenant's ratified in your life. And the blood of the lamb takes away the sin of the world that stains your soul. And you stand before the living God as his son, as his daughter. Your conscience is clean before him. Nothing condemning you. And every benefit that comes to a son or daughter of God is instantly yours. The kingdom, access to the Father, the doorknobs in your hand, the door is open. All you have to do is boldly walk into his throne of grace. Like you belong there because now you do because he put the spirit of his own son in your heart. But you know, there, there had to be a response. It doesn't matter if you come to church every day of your life for 60 years. That's not the response Father's looking for. It's just not. It's a great thing to do if you have the other responses. But if you think you bypass the one response that he demands, then it'll be of no benefit from you. Do you know that you can do all of the law, all of the principles that you find in the scripture of God, if you will apply this prince, just the principles of the word of God to your life, you'll make more money. You'll be prosperous. You, you will lay down at rest at night. You will not have so much strife and tension in your life. You'll be healthy. Your diets will be cleaner. You can do every one of the principles of God and your life physically and materialistically show that it's the right way. But it has no eternal value until you do the one work that God requires of us today to believe in the one he sent. And, and the thing is, is that you can't just say, I believe. I'd go into these village huts in Mexico and they'd have their kid locked up in a cage, demon possessed, like a wild animal. And I'd begin to share the gospel with them. And they'd be like, we believe in Jesus. Look, he's right there on our wall, nailed up. And then they said, we also believe in the witch doctor down there. When Jesus doesn't answer, we go to the witch doctor. If the witch doctor don't answer, we go to the spiritual healer. And they believed in everything. That's not the work of God that Christ put before them. John says that if you receive Christ and you believe Christ, he gives you the authority, the power to become a son or daughter of God. But the, the, the words that Jesus are using there, they're so common to us, they lose their value in what he's really trying to say to us just out of the familiarity of the words. To receive Christ means he now has to be the king on the throne of your heart. You have to say out of your mouth all the things that you command we will do. And there has to be a yielding to him for the covenant to be really ratified. But this is the invitation that he's given us. I read that, you know, and I'm not trying to confuse the law of Moses for where we're at today, but the pattern is there. It actually says in Hebrews, this is the pattern 
that was given for us to follow. So we know what it's supposed to look like. There has to be these surrenders. There has to be an understanding of God's word to you. There has to be him being the priority of why you live and breathe in this house, this house and in this world. You need to build an altar so you can give sacrifice and praise to him. Wherever you stand, it's the proper response. And when we do that, the glory comes. Moses does all of this. The people come into agreement. And, and I'm going to end right here. Let me go back to 24. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount, verse 16, we're just going to jump down. The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain. And Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. He had an encounter with the Lord. He had proper responses. And you know what the result of the proper response, you know what the consequence to his proper response? God says, I see that you value me coming to see you. So why don't you come up and be with me a little bit more? If Moses doesn't have the proper response to the first encounter, there is no second encounter until there is a proper response. You know, it, one of the things that is so amazing or mind-blowing about these stories that you see here with Moses that, you know, every time Moses went up, it says his servant Joshua went with him. You know, there's nowhere in, the new, in, in, in there that says that Joshua was ever invited. Moses just took him with him. And every time Moses left and Joshua stayed, there's nowhere in it that says that Moses commanded him to leave. But Joshua, through his association, through his proximity with, with a spiritual father, got, got to experience a glory that he wasn't even directly invited. He wasn't an elder and he wasn't one of the sons of Aaron. But because of his connection to Moses and his decidedness to walk with him and serve him as a spiritual father, he got to go into the glory. Yeah. And because he went into the glory, he got to taste for himself that the Lord was good. And when Moses left... He stayed. And you know what he found out? That the glory had nothing to do with Moses. The glory had everything to do with whoever was willing to have a proper response. It didn't have nothing to do with Moses. It had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with Brother DJ or any of these elders. The glory of the Lord, the presence of the living God, the face of the living God is for those who will have a proper response. Doesn't matter how old, how young, what color, how rich, how poor, what language you speak, the proper response is what allows you to be in the glory of God and see him face to face. He spoke to Moses as one speaks to a friend because he had a proper response. Aaron got to live in the glory because he had a proper response. We, we must have proper responses, family. I want to have a proper response because I, I've done tasted of the Lord and seen that he is good. 
And nothing else will do. Good church won't do. Good music won't do. Good preaching ain't going to do it for me. Good prayer services ain't going to do it for me. Having more money, more vehicles, a bigger house, that, that ain't going to do it for me. I have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and nothing else satisfies. But knowing that, feeling that, doesn't give me anything if I don't yield to the proper response bubbling up in my heart. But when I do, the glory is mine. I get to go in and not have to leave. The kingdom is mine because it's will to give it to me. But he's not going to give it to me if I don't see no value in it. He won't give to me what is his will to give to me if I don't properly respond to what he's given me today. I want a proper response. My kids need me to have a proper response. My wife needs me to have a proper response. My grandchildren, my great-grandchildren that I might not ever see, they need me to have a proper response today. So that blessings are what they're birthed into. That the goodness of God is what they are known. And it's so far behind them a life of hell without the knowledge and the relationship with Jesus. It's so far back in generations, they don't even know what it's like. They can't even tell the stories right. But that causes, that causes me to have to respond today. To set my house in order, to have priorities. In my own heart. To build the sacrifice. The altar where they go. To bring the sacrifice. Praise. Bring in the next year. To understand that I got to respond for me. And for everybody else around me. Come back up Rachel please. This is no kind of review. This ain't. There's none of that y'all. You know when I come here. My responsibility, when I go to other houses, my responsibility uh, in the position that Father placed me in is to make sure that I am always setting the vision of the Lord in front of the people for what's been established for these houses. My responsibility is to come and set in order things that are lacking. That's what, that's what the apostolic is supposed to do. My responsibility is to have such a present yes in my life is that the glory of the Lord is tangible on me so that everybody can see that he is good. Not so that when I just come or when Brother DJ's here or this person's leading worship, that is not the purpose. The purpose is to see that there is a tangible glory for the sons and daughters of God that have a proper response so that you will understand the glory is not connected to the person and only to the person. It's connected to the proper response. Because it's his desires. It's his promise. It's his holy calling that every one of us has received. He has invited every single one of us into fellowship with his son. There ain't nothing more glorious to know that you've had that invitation. Father, I just thank you. Y'all stand for a minute. We're just, we're going to open up the altar. Some of you need to come up here and, and you just need to have a proper response. You need to recognize your need for a new response. You need to ask the Lord to help you have a proper response as he shows you what that looks like for you. Because what he might be telling me to do is not going to be what he's telling you to do. 
He's going to deal with you where you're at and what he knows will mean to you. Something that means something to me might mean absolutely nothing to you and be of no value when you put it on the altar. And vice versa. Some of you just, you need to be willing to do something that's outside of your comfort zone. Too many people are willing to stand at the door of their tent and watch Moses go into the tabernacle of meeting. And so go get that word for us, brother. Sister, you, you hear the Lord for me because I'm in a bind. I'm going to stand right here and watch you go into the glory. I don't want to be that person. I want to be willing to respond and go on my own into the glory of the Lord because he invited me to come in. Some people don't know that that access is available to them and they don't know to go in. And I want to show them that it's real and I want to show them if I can get there, they can. So some of you need to get out of your seats and you need to come up here and just minister to the Lord with your yes. You need to come up here and minister to the Lord with, I will do what you have commanded me to do. I will believe in you. I will walk in obedience to you. I will surrender my heart to you. I will come up the mountain to you because your glory is what you've invited me into. Your faith is what you've asked me to gaze upon. Your faith is what you want me to see. Just begin to come as you want. I, I don't, this is for you and the Lord. But sometimes you've got to make a decision to do what it takes. We bless you, Father. Just sing, Rachel. We bless you, Lord God. We bless you. We want to have a response to you, Father. That's undeniably yes. Come on, Jesus. I say yes. I say yes to you, Jesus. I want to walk up the mountain to you. Come on, Jesus. Come on. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Y'all just begin to minister to the Lord. Begin to tell him that you love him. Begin to tell him that you see him. That you desire him. That you want him. We love you, Jesus. <laughs> Woo, all I got to do is say yes today, Father. I'm so glad that yesterday's gone. And all I got to do is say yes today. Oh, thank you. I don't got to string together a bunch of days, Father. I just got to say yes right now. stand in this holy place. Yes, 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 Jesus. Yes, Jesus, yes. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Oh, sweet, precious God. Come on, Jesus. 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 I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. 
Thank you <laughs> that you allow us to build an altar to worship you and that you call us to come to you. Thank you that the door is open. Thank you that we boldly get to come before you in your throne of grace. Not just to kneel down, but to crawl up into your lap. Where real sons and daughters belong in the lap of their father. <laughs> Do we get to lay our head on your chest just like John did, Jesus? That's the proper place for the sons and daughters of God. Boldly we come to you. <laughs> come on, Jesus. Oh, let your glory be released to us, Father. Let us hunger and thirst for you. Let us refuse to be satisfied by lesser things. We want you. We want your glory. We want your presence, Father. We got to have you, Jesus. <laughs> we want you, Jesus. We want you, Jesus. We want you, Jesus. We want you, Lord God. We say yes to you. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. Oh, your glory, God. Your glory, Jesus. Your glory, Jesus. We want to see you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Father. Holy, holy hunger. How beautiful it is to have hunger that can be satisfied. How beautiful it is to have hunger that can be satisfied, Lord. <laughs> you give us hunger that can be satisfied with you. And only you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for giving us hunger that you can satisfy, that you desire to satisfy. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. For what you put in us, you desire and plan to satisfy, Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, God, for what you put in us and the desire that you've birthed into us with your spirit, God. Your spirit longs for you. And you put it in us, Father. And I thank you. The glory of the Lord on your house. The glory of the Lord on your house. The glory of the Lord on your house. The glory of the Lord on your family. <laughs> How beautiful it is to build an altar together, Father. Husband and wife. Fathers and sons and daughters and mothers and sons and daughters. How beautiful it is for everybody to bring a stone to make the altar with. We love you, Father God. We bless you. We bless you in this house. We recognize the purpose and the invitation in this house you've given us. To steward your glory, Father. That you've called us to be a lampstand. Not just in this town. Not just in this area. Not just in this state. You've called us and given us a lampstand for this generation, Father. We will not be diverted from your purpose for us. We will see your glory. We will come up the mountain. We will build the altar. We will treasure your words. We say yes to you, Lord. Say yes to you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We say yes to you, Father. We say yes to you, Jesus. We say yes to you, Holy Ghost. I bless you. 
I bless you. I bless you. I want y'all to go home today with, with joy leaping up in your heart at the invitation of the Lord. With, with understanding in a deeper way of what you really have been invited to be a part of. To go home with, if you don't go with anything else, just go home with the truth that he calls you son if you're his and puts the spirit of Jesus into your heart. That right there is such an overwhelming glory. I have Jesus in my heart, the spirit of Jesus in my heart because father put him there because he recognizes me as his. Celebrate the Lord. Celebrate who he is. It's a delight to serve and worship the Lord. His yoke is light. Heaviness does not come from the Lord. It comes from the world and, and divided hearts and trying to walk two different paths at the same time. The way of the Lord is beautiful. It's delightful. Just thank you, Jesus. Come on, man. Jesus. I bless you in this house, y'all. And I love, I love this family. I'm in all of the calling of God on this family. Huh? I'm in absolute awe of what he has spoke to me. They're, they're precious to me, the words he has spoken to me about this house. And I know it to be the word of the Lord. But that can all be for naught if we don't have proper responses. This house doesn't exist outside of the people that are in it. We are what make this house the house of the Lord. And if we say yes to what he's purposed us to be individually coming in here, it's so much easier to say yes to what he has called us to do corporately. It's just easy. Because we just come in and yield together. We worship together. We come in and let all of our individual yes become one huge shout. Like in the book of Acts, they were all in one accord and prayed unto the Lord and the house shook. Our house is supposed to shake because we're in agreement and unity. I bless you guys today. I love you. I love you deeply. I love Brother DJ and Mama Jules. Bless y'all. In Jesus' name. I'm not sure who's got it after this, but I'm done. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Man. Hey, listen, we're going to go ahead and close out. Miss um, Rachel's going to continue to just go ahead and play softly. And if you're still being ministered to, hey, stay here, continue to pray, continue to be ministered to. Uh, we love you guys. We cannot wait to see you next week. God bless you and have an awesome week.